everybody. Hope you're doing well tonight, and I want to thank you for joining us to study God's Word. We're going to be in the book of John tonight. Going to take a little break from uh, our study that we've been doing in Judges. Lord willing, we'll get back to that next week, and we'll get to the conclusion of the life of Samson. So if you want to see that, hey, come back next week, and we'll get to that. But tonight, we're going to be in John 16. Since Easter's right around the corner, we're going to look at an event that took place in Jesus' life uh, not too long before he went to the cross. But this is a great passage, so we're going to be in John 16, and we're going to read verses 25 through 33. I'll read through the text, and when I'm done, I'll pray, and then we'll jump in and see what God may have to tell us through his word tonight. So, let's dig in. John 16, starting in verse 25. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not telling you that I will make requests to the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Ah, his disciples said, Now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Look, an hour is coming and has now come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for these words, and I pray that you just help us to uh, grow in them. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal things to us that we need to hear tonight. God, just let your word speak. When I open my mouth, dear Lord, I pray that you just speak through me. I pray that these words would be an encouragement to us, that we would be strengthened by them tonight. And God, I just thank you for loving us and being good to us. And I just pray that you bless the reading of your word and hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Now, this is a great passage, and in the verses before this, Jesus had been telling his disciples a lot of things to get them ready for what was to come. Now, throughout Jesus' ministry, he had really been doing a good job to try to prepare his disciples, that is, the twelve who had been with him, to get them ready to carry on the work that he started. Now, when Jesus came, he preached the kingdom and let people know, look, the kingdom of God has come near. But soon after Jesus started his ministry, he gathered up these 12 men, we call them the disciples or the apostles, and he took these 12 and he began to pour into them. For about three years while he did his earthly ministry, he poured into these men. He was telling them things and teaching them things and showing them things, and they were seeing the miracles he did. And they didn't always quite understand what was going on, and they didn't really quite get everything that was going on. Now, in the verses before this, Jesus had been explaining more things to them, in particular things about uh, he was going to be leaving them soon. He was going back to the Father. He was getting them ready. He was trying to prepare them for what was coming, but they didn't quite understand what was taking place. And Jesus begins to explain some things to them because he knows what they're talking about. He knows that they're questioning. We see that in verses 17, 18, and 19. They're saying, hey, what's going on? We don't quite understand what Jesus is saying. And so they begin to question, and Jesus knows that they have these questions. And so he begins to respond and address these questions about these things that they're asking about. And here in these verses we look at tonight, Jesus is is trying to further their preparation for when he is gone. 
He is going to be going to the cross before long, and he wants to make sure his disciples are ready. He wants to leave these last few things with them while he has this last little bit of time to be with them. And in verse 25, he says, I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not telling you that I will make requests to the Father on your behalf. Now, Jesus, throughout his ministry, he had used a lot of parables and a lot of illustrations and a lot of things that that the disciples couldn't always understand. Now, thankfully, Jesus was there to explain those things to him. Now, that's how you and I understand as well. There are things that we may not understand about Scripture, but if we study God's Word and we seek the Lord and say, Lord, help me to understand this, God is often faithful to help us to understand what we want to know. I say often because there may be some questions in Scripture you just don't understand. But many times God is faithful to help us have understanding to see what he's talking about. Now, Jesus had spoken in parables uh, throughout his ministry for the most part, But he says, look, a time is coming when everything's going to be revealed to you plainly. I'm going to tell you plainly. Now, I believe when he says that here, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit that's going to come and dwell in his believers. Now, he had said he's going to send a counselor. That's what he told his disciples before he left. I'm going to send somebody to you, a comforter, a helper, a counselor, and that is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is who helps us to better understand God, to better understand God's Word, to, to, to see and understand and to hear plainly. And Jesus said, Look, a time is coming when you will no longer, I'll no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And I believe that speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, In that day you will ask in my name. Now, Jesus says, Look, you're going to be praying to the Father. And he goes on to say in the next verse, I'm not going to, to ask the Father things on your behalf, but you're going to be able to speak to the Father. You're going to be able to pray to the Father. And when you do pray to the Father, we pray in the name of Jesus because Jesus has the, uh, the victory. Jesus gives us the ability to contact the Father, to talk to the Father. He allows us to be able to have direct access to God. Now, we need to get that. There's nobody that we have to go through. There's nobody that has to pray to God on our behalf, but we ourselves can go to God through Jesus Christ and what he's did on the cross. He's opened that access for us so that we have direct access to God so that we can call God Father because he is a Father that loves us, as the Scripture says. And and Jesus says, look, the day is coming when you're going to be able to speak to the Father. I'm not going to have to speak to the Father for you, but everything's going to be plain. Everything's going to be clear. Everything is going to play out and work out just the way that it was supposed to. And then he says something very beautiful here in this next verse, in verse 27. He says, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, isn't that good stuff? Jesus says, I'm not going to go to the Father on your behalf. You go to the Father for yourself because God the Father himself loves you. Isn't that a beautiful thing that that's the illustration that Jesus uses to refer to God? When Jesus is praying to to God throughout his life, he refers to him as Father. We see that throughout the scriptures. He refers to him as his heavenly Father. And that's the same language that you and I need to use to refer to God. We need to recognize God and see God as our Father. Now, that's a beautiful illustration in a perfect sense. But we live in an imperfect world. And the illustration of Father may not be easy for all to wrap their head around. 
You see, God is a perfect father. He's a loving father. He's a father who will do anything for his children. He's a father who did do everything for his children so that we could be forgiven. But not every father in our world is a good father. Not every father in our world is a loving father. Not every father in our world does everything that they can for their children. Now, this is tough. Now, it's not tough for me because I had a good father. I was fortunate to be blessed with a good father. But I know that there are some people in this world, there's some of you watching this, and you didn't have a good father. And you may not know what a good father looks like. You may not know what a loving father is like. You may not know what it's like to be loved and taken care of by your father. But even though your father may have failed, your earthly father, I want to tell you tonight that your heavenly father has not failed. I want to tell you tonight in every way that maybe your, your human father let you down, that your heavenly father will lift you up, that your heavenly father loves you. He desires to, to provide for you and to take care of you and to deliver you from whatever it is you may be going through in this life, not just in this life, but for all eternity. God is a loving Father, and Jesus says you can go to Him. You can go to Him, and you can count on Him, because He is a loving Father, and He loves you. Jesus says He loves you because you love me. Now, that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples, but the same is true for you and I. God wants us to come to Jesus Christ. He wants us to put our faith in Him to accept the, the sacrifice that was given on our behalf when he gave his life on the cross. He wants us to love Jesus, and he wants to love us. And Jesus says here, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, that's the same thing that Jesus desires of you and I. The disciples are finally getting it here. Now, they've seen a lot throughout the time that they were with Jesus, and they probably should have gotten it a little sooner. But then again, so should maybe some of us. There are probably things that God does in our life that we should have gotten a little sooner than we did, but we were kind of slow to get them. Well, the disciples were kind of slow. But even still, Jesus continued to pour into them. He continued to work in their life, and he's continuing even now with his death just around the corner to help them to see more clearly about God the Father, about love, about him, who he is. And Jesus says, look, I came from the Father, and I have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So Jesus says, look, I've come to do my work. I've done what the Father, or I'm about to do what the Father is sending me to do. And I've come from God and I'm going back from God. But Jesus does not leave us alone. Now, we don't see it in this text, but we do see it in other texts where Jesus says, look, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending somebody to you. And he sends us the Holy Spirit to convict us to point us to the Father, to let us know, hey, look, there's a Father there that loves you. There's a Savior that died for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And when we read God's Word, it's the Holy Spirit that begins to tug on our heart. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to reveal things in our life that, that shouldn't be there. It's the Holy Spirit that lets us know that we need something else in our life other than things of this world. And what we need is a Savior in Jesus Christ. What we need is a Father who loves us. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become a child of the Father. And what a wonderful Father He is. He's a Father who will not let you down. He's a Father who loves you and who cares for you. And He wants to be your Father today if He's not. Jesus... <clears throat> 
concludes there in verse 28. And then the disciples say in verse 29, Ah, his disciples said, Now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Now it's interesting that in all that they had seen and all that they had been part of throughout their time with Jesus, it appears as though his response in the verses earlier in 17, 18, and 19 when they were saying, uh, you know, we don't understand all this stuff. What are we to make of what he's saying? And Jesus knows their thoughts. He knows what they're saying and he addresses them. It seems as though maybe that event is what triggered them to say, ah, now we know. Now we know that you came from the Father. Now we believe you are who you say you are. Now they believed. The disciples believed. Maybe all of them, but Judas, I don't know. But the rest of them appeared to believe, even though even though they had some times where they they didn't show much faith, where they doubted a little bit, where they were afraid maybe when they shouldn't be. I think there was some belief there in their life, but boy, they really got it. Their eyes were really opened here. For whatever reason, Jesus had revealed to them and they got it. They really got it. And they said, look, ah, oh, we believe now. Now, that reminds me of a story in Mark. There was a man who came to Jesus and he said, look, you know, uh, if, if you can heal this person that needs to be healed, if you can do it, dear Lord. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, we may be guilty of the same thing. There may be some of you watching this and you may believe that Jesus is God's son. You may believe God's word. You may believe that God is a good father. But you may not believe in the way you need to believe. You may have a belief that's there, but what God really wants is more than just a belief. He wants a real deep faith that we trust in Him, that we really live for Him, that we follow His example, that we don't just say we believe, but that we show we believe by our actions, by our love, by our faithfulness to Him. And the disciples got it here. They said, Jesus, we believe. We know who you are. We know that you came from the Father, and we believe you. Now, I hope you believe that today, and I hope you don't just believe it and say it with your mouth, oh, I believe. I hope you don't just believe it with your mind, because even the devil believes that there is a God. Even the devil believes that Jesus is God's son, but his belief stops short of faith. He doesn't put his faith in God. He doesn't put his faith in Jesus Christ. But that's where you don't want to fail. Don't make that same mistake. Don't say, oh, I, I believe, and I go to church sometimes, and I'm watching this tonight, so therefore, I'm good, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know your heart. You may believe with your head, but what God wants is for you to believe with your heart. Not just a belief in the mind, but a faith in the heart. That's what God desires for you and me. He wants us to get it. He wants us to go deeper. Now, his disciples had been with him, and I believe they believed him, and they probably were genuine followers of his. It would appear that way in the events that occurred after his crucifixion, apart from uh, Judas, but the rest of them appeared to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants of, of, of you and I. Now, we may be like them in that we've been walking with the Lord for years. And maybe we still hadn't quite got everything the way we should. But maybe we need to have an aha moment. Maybe that moment comes tonight. Maybe it comes in weeks. Maybe it comes in months. But maybe there's something in God's Word that you read and that you, you see happen. And you say, ah, now God, oh, I get it. It makes sense to me now so much more than before. And I feel like... As Christians, as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, we probably have some of those aha moments throughout our, throughout our life, throughout our growth with Him. As we continue to grow and seek Him, there are things that He just continues to reveal to us, and we have some of those aha moments. 
And the disciples had one of those right here. Let's read a little further. Verse 31. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Look, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Now here Jesus is giving them a little glimpse of what's coming. He says, look, okay, an hour's coming when all of you are going to scatter and all of you are going to leave me and I'm going to be left alone, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now think about that for a second. Now in the context here, I know we're talking about Jesus. I know we're talking about the disciples, the events leading up to his death. But think about that in our own life because there are probably times in our life where we feel that we are alone, where all of our friends have scattered and left us and and nobody's around when we need them the most. That's what was going to happen to Jesus. Those who had been closest to him, whenever it, it, it got down to the tough stuff at the end when he was arrested and going to be crucified, all those who were with him, they were gone. They scattered. Jesus says, I'm going to be left alone, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now, I want you to know the same is true for you and I today, that there may be times in our life that we feel like nobody else is around and that nobody else cares and that we are alone. But I want to tell you, you are not alone, that God loves you and that God cares for you and that when you seek him, you will find him. You may feel alone. You may not feel God's presence, and it may be because you're not not seeking him. You're not trying to follow him. You're not trying to find comfort and strength and joy and peace in him. It may be that, that, that right now you don't feel the Lord's presence because you're not seeking the Lord. But if you seek the Lord, you will find him. If you knock, the door will be opened. And Jesus said, look, there's going to come a time when you guys are going to leave me, but I'm not going to be alone even when nobody else is around. I'm going to be okay because the Father is going to be with me. Now, I want you to know that tonight. There may be people in your life right now that's abandoned you. You may feel like nobody understands, nobody's with me, nobody cares about me, but I want to tell you that God cares about you. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died on a cross because he cares about you, because he loves you, and he wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to be at peace. He wants you to overcome all of these things that may be weighing you down. Jesus said, even though nobody else is around, I'm not alone because God is with me, and we are not alone. If we seek the Lord, he will be with us. Let's read a little farther. In verse 39, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Isn't that good? Jesus says, I'm telling you all this so that you may have peace. Now, why would Jesus say, I'm telling you this so that you may have peace? Because he knew what was going to await those who followed him. He knew that for his disciples, as soon as he was killed, he knew that the the, the same mob that turned and crucified him were going to come after them. He knew that as long as they continued to preach and teach the good news, as long as they continued to do his work and to build his kingdom, he knew that things were going to be tough for them. And so he's look, he said, look, I'm telling you these things. I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know all of these things that I've told you. I want you to know who I am. I want you to get it. I want you to realize it. I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to know so that when the time comes, you'll be at peace. I want you to know these things so that you may have peace in me. Now, that's what we really want, right? That's what I want. I would would reckon that most people in the world probably want peace. 
We want peace in our life. We want peace in our country. We want peace in our world. We want it on a small scale. We want it on a large scale. We want peace. Now that peace only comes through Jesus Christ. The same peace that he was saying, look, I'm giving this peace to you. He was giving it to the disciples. He's the same one that gives it to us. We read God's word. We see what he says, not just to them, but all of these things apply to you and I. All of these things are ways that the Lord speaks to us. All of these things are things that should bring peace in our life. Because our journey is not so different from the disciples. We don't come to Jesus Christ and everything is perfect. We come to Jesus Christ and yes, he gives us strength, praise the Lord. He gives us joy, praise the Lord. He gives us peace, praise the Lord. But we still live life. We still have hard days. We still have people that come against us. We still have enemies. We're still mocked for being his followers sometimes. But Jesus says, look, I'm telling you these things in advance. Don't be surprised when they come after you. Don't be surprised when bad things happen because you're following me and trying to do uh, my work and trying to be faithful to me. Don't be surprised. I'm telling you these things in advance so you'll be at peace knowing, knowing what? Well, let's see what Jesus says. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Well, how can we be at peace? We can be at peace because we know that Jesus has conquered the world. He says, be at peace and be courageous and know this, I have conquered the world. You'll have suffering in the world, but I have conquered the world. Isn't that good stuff? Jesus has conquered the world. Whatever you may be up against in this world, Jesus has conquered it. There's no sin, there's no struggle, there's no suffering that we will experience in this world that will get the better of us. It will not get the better of us. It may take our life in this world. That's the worst that could happen. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, even if we die in this world, it's gain because we wake up with Jesus Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain is what the scripture says. And Jesus says, have courage. You're going to suffer in this world. But be courageous, because I have conquered the world. So no matter what this world does to us, as long as we're here, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we trust in Him, no matter what the world throws at us, Jesus says, I've conquered the world. And if you follow me, you can be conquerors too. You can overcome whatever this world throws at you. Jesus says, look, I want you to be at peace, because you'll know that I am the conqueror, and I'm going to share my victory with you. In 1 John, if you want to flip there, 1 John, verse 5, excuse me, chapter 5, 1 John, chapter 5, 1 John, chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. Now His commands are not a burden, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's good stuff right there. Now, in the verses we just read in John 16, it said that God is a heavenly Father and He loves us. And here it says, for this is what love for God is. So if God loves us, well, we should love God. It should be a two-way relationship. We shouldn't say, okay, God, you love me, you take care of me, you make everything right, and I'll do what I want to do, and you just make my life better. Well, that's not how it works. When you're in a relationship with somebody and you love somebody, then you should desire to be with them, to seek them out. That's what we should be desiring of the Lord, to have a relationship with Him, to be seeking His Word, to be praying to Him, to be listening to Him. 
God listens to us when we pray to him. We should listen to him when he speaks to us. We know God loves us. We see that from John 16. But here in 1 John 5 verse 3, it says, For this is what love for God is. Well, do you love God? Well, hopefully you do. If you don't, you should. He's a God that's worthy of our love. And if we love God, how are we to live? Well, the scripture says, uh, if we love God, we are to keep his commands. Well, that's what we should do. If we're, if, if we're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, and we know God loves us, and we love God, then how do we show our love for God? Simple, we follow his commands. Well, it's simple to say it. It's not always simple to do it. But that should be what we strive for. And sometimes we may fail. But we, when we do, we say, Lord, I repent. Lord, forgive me of that. Lord, I want to follow your commands. It's tough. I'm having a hard time. But Lord, help me to follow your commands. Do you even desire to follow them? You can't say you love God, but yet have no desire to follow his commands. If you love God, you should have some desire to do what he calls you to do, to do what his word says, to live like Jesus lived. He loves us. He showed it for us in giving his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. Do we love him? Well, if we do, we need to show it by following his commands. And it says his commands are not a burden. Now we may think, oh, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to do what his word says because what his word says, I'll never get to have any fun in life. Well, but a funny thing happens when we begin to trust God and we begin to put our faith and trust in him. The things that we used to consider fun, we don't consider fun anymore. As we begin to study God's word and we begin to see what love is and we begin to see what sin is, the things that we once thought were good, we now see as bad. The things that we once loved, we now begin to hate. And things that at one time said may have looked like a burden to us, we would have said, oh, I can't do that. That's no fun. I don't want to be a Christian and live that way. Things that used to would have looked like a burden to us. Well, once we begin to seek the Lord and listen to him and love him and follow him, those things are no longer a burden. But those are things that we desire that we want, even though it's a struggle and we have to pray and we have to ask him to keep strengthening us. But when we seek him, we'll find him. And those things that were a struggle, they won't be so much of a struggle. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now that's good stuff right there. If you want to conquer your sin, if you want to conquer your struggles, if you want to conquer your death, and we're all going to get there if we live long enough, if you want to be a conqueror, you can be a conqueror only through Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's when we become conquerors. And Jesus said in John 16, Don't worry. Be courageous. Be strong. Be at peace. Know that I have conquered the world. There's nothing the world can throw at you that Jesus has not overcome. And 1 John says, look, if we love God, we need to follow his commands. We need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ so we can be conquerors. And when we come to Easter this Sunday, that's what Easter is. Jesus following through with the very thing that he told his disciples he would in John 16. He became a conqueror that day that he gave his life on a cross. If there's something you're struggling with today, you don't have to struggle anymore. If there's something you're trying to get free from, you don't have to, you don't have to struggle anymore. You can bring it to Jesus Christ and he'll give you freedom, he'll give you peace, and he'll allow you to conquer whatever it is you're up against, but you can only conquer it through him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that if there's anybody listening and watching this tonight that doesn't know you, that they would. I pray that, that they would know Jesus Christ. I pray that they would know that you're his son, that you sent him, dear Lord, that he willingly came from you, and that he did become a conqueror on the, in the world when he gave his life on the cross for us. And dear Lord, we thank you for it. 
God, and I pray that each one watching this, if they don't know you, that they would put their faith in Jesus so that they would become conquerors, dear Lord, so that they would become just what your word says in 1 John 5, so that they would become yours and that they would love you and that they would feel your love, dear Lord, and that they would follow your commands and they would put their faith in Jesus Christ so that they can conquer whatever it is they're up against. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.